remaining in here this morning, you can turn uh, to Matthew chapter 7, verse 12. Uh, you can look at that in the Bible, on your phone, whatever you prefer. There's all, that's also printed for you uh, in the bulletin. As you're turning there, I want you to think about um, your relationships, your close relationships. How do you show up in your relationships? Um, With other people, are you an eliminator or a diminisher? Here's a definition of each. Diminishers make people feel small and unseen. They see other people as things to be used, not as persons to be befriended. Diminishers stereotype and ignore. Diminishers are so involved with themselves that other people are just not on their radar screen. That's a diminisher. What's an illuminator? Illuminators have persistent curiosity about other people. They understand others. They shine the brightness of their care on people and make other people feel bigger, deeper, respected, and lit up. That's an illuminator. These are terms from, that David Brooks uses in his book, How to Know a Person. So which are you? A diminisher or an illuminator of others? Here's the real question behind it. To what degree do you really see people? And see them in a way that makes them feel seen by you. Um, We're looking at just one verse this morning, uh, a verse that is so popular that even if you've never opened the Bible, you've heard some iteration of this. Um, This verse is embedded in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus' most famous teaching, uh, where he tells us all about what it looks like to follow him in our lives, in, in the details of our lives. And this morning Jesus is addressing how we treat other people. Here's what he says to us, Matthew 7, verse 12. So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. For this is the law and the prophets. The word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. And what we need most is to hear from you this morning and to be transformed by you. We do long to be different. We long to grow. And so Spirit, would you work through the preaching of your word, through these very words themselves, uh, to, to make us new in you. Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, I want you to think about a situation where uh, you're about to enter a room full of people. It could be a room like this, and it's just some kind of social setting. Um, And, you know, there's a moment before you actually open the door and walk into this social setting with this room full of people where where you're wondering, maybe... um, Maybe you're not fully aware that you're wondering this, but you're wondering, are, are my people going to be here? When I walk into this room in this social setting, is there going to be someone there that I can stand and talk to, that I'm going to feel comfortable talking to, or am I going to be alone? Will there be people that see me or not? And that's going through your mind. You open the door, you walk into this social setting, and you don't immediately see anyone you know. You start to get a little nervous, but then suddenly... On the other side of the room, there's someone that looks vaguely familiar. That just, you might know them just well enough to where, hey, maybe I can stand and talk to that person at this social setting. And that person, um, they sort of, uh, you make eye contact. And their face, that other person's face lights up in recognition of seeing you. And they wave to you. And, and they start, it looks like they're starting to walk towards you. And, and in response, your face lights up because they've seen you. 
And you start waving back at them and you sort of turn to face them as they're walking towards you. And as, as they're walking towards you, um, th- th- something starts happening as they get closer. As they walk closer, you realize that it wasn't you that they were looking at, but there was someone just behind you that they recognized and were waving to. And so you have this feeling in that moment of first being seen and acknowledged and welcomed into that space. But then the instant feeling that they weren't actually looking at you. They didn't recognize you. It was a person behind you. And so now you feel that instant, uh, vulnerable, humiliating, lonely feeling of getting just passed over for someone else. At first you thought you were seen. And then suddenly you realize in harsh fashion that you had not been seen. Uh, It feels good to be seen. And it hurts to not be seen. Um, this one verse that we're looking at this morning is, is called the golden rule and it's about treating others in the way that we want to be treated and, and one of the things that we want most from others is to feel truly seen and truly understood by them um, not even necessarily where we agree with this other person on everything all the time but just to be seen for who we are and understood by them and, and the opposite of that um, to feel unseen or to feel misunderstood is one of the loneliest and hardest things that we experience as people. Here's the tension in this text this morning. It is hard to love others well. It's hard to treat people in the way that we want to be treated. That's the tension that we're holding. Okay, let's think about this first using the language of seeing others. So just two headings this morning. Uh, why is it hard to see others? And then we'll talk about how to see others. First, why is it hard to see others? Um, have you ever tried to put on someone else's glasses before? Uh, my, my six-year-old EK still likes to do this with my glasses. And she'll take my glasses, she'll put them on. And I mean, come on, kids in glasses. Doesn't get much cuter than that. But she'll put them on and, and, and instantly she'll start talking about how weird it looks, how she can't see things right. And you, you know this feeling. Everything's blurry or it's like you're chronically like walking downhill somehow when you put on someone else's glasses. Uh, You can't see clearly the way uh, that you want to. Um, The Bible says that we have all rebelled against God. That we're all sinners. All right. Here's one way we can think about what sin does. Sin makes it to where it's almost like we're always wearing the wrong glasses. Where we, we don't see God like we should. We don't see others like we should. We don't see ourselves like we should. We don't see the world like we should. So, so let's, let's zoom in and, and see how sin messes with our view of ourselves and others. And, and the first thing we see is this, that, that our sin distorts our view of ourselves. Uh, listen to how the prophet Jeremiah describes sin's impact on our hearts. In Jeremiah 17, 9, he says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick, Who can understand it? How's that for a statement about our hearts? Deceitful above all things. Desperately sick. Who can understand it? Um, How does that impact our relationship to others? Um, Our deceived hearts will put themselves at the center rather than God and others at the center. Remember how Jesus summarized the entire law? He said, love God and love others. If you do that, that's my law. You're on the right track. Um, sin blows that up for us and instead of God and others we put ourselves at the center Um, so we become fundamentally self-centered 
in the ways that we interact with others. What does that mean relationally? We assume we're right. We assume that our perspective is the right one, that our view is the right one, that our understanding is the right one. We are quick to give ourselves the benefit of the doubt. Uh, Surely, you know, we're not perfect, but surely we have pure motives. Um, Surely we're seeing things clearly. Um, We don't realize that we're wearing the wrong glasses. We convince ourselves that we've got the right glasses on and that others have the wrong glasses on. And and if you think about how that gets worked out in relationships, um, it's when, when two people get really stuck on something. Some argument, some debate, some issue. And uh, think maybe about a tense conversation um, with a roommate or a family member or a spouse, someone you're close to, where, where it, it just feels stuck, whatever the issue is. And it's almost like where you can start to feel it physically in that conversation, almost in your chest, where you just, you, it, it's just not getting anywhere. There's no breakthrough. There's no understanding. And, and basically, you have two people talking at each other, not really listening to each other, trying harder, using different vocabulary, to just, just talk more strongly at each other. Because the thought is, look, if you would just understand this from my point of view, then you'd get it. You'd get it like you should, because right now you don't get it. Um, our deeply ingrained self-centeredness, it shows up in these moments by making it nearly impossible for us to stop and to listen and to understand, to love others. And instead, we pour all of our energy into explaining and re-explaining our own opinion. And we don't even realize we're doing it because our our sin has distorted our view of ourselves. And it not only distorts our view of ourselves, but also sin distorts our view of others. Um, Years ago, before we lived in South Carolina, um, my family and I lived in Kentucky, and and we were at this small uh, dinner party with, you know, just a handful of couples. um, And and we had these, these, uh, these great mutual friends um, this, cu- this couple friends, Marshall and Jenna. And um, Jenna, Marshall's wife, sort of from afar, similar colored hair as Aaron. They kind of, you know, looked somewhat similar uh, from afar. And I'll never forget looking across the room, and I saw my friend Marshall walk up to Aaron, who's my wife, and, and Marshall put his arm around her and stood next to her for a moment, thinking it was Jenna, his wife. And, uh, and it was funny to watch this all happen from afar. And instantly he realized what he was doing. It was not Jenna, it was Aaron. And it was awkward and funny and we all laughed about it. But what happened? He, he didn't see. He didn't see who was right there. We do stuff like this all the time. Kids, have you ever um, accidentally called your teacher mom? Or maybe told your teacher that you loved them just sort of like in passing? Because you just sort of got, you were thinking about your parents They're kind of like a parent figure. Um, We can get so in our heads that that we don't truly see who's right in front of us. All right, think about those examples on a much deeper relational level. Um, We long to be seen and loved by others, and we feel hurt when we're not, yet we are quick to give ourselves a pass when we don't love others in that same way. This is what Jesus is speaking into here. These few powerful words. He's saying, hey, treat others the way you want to be treated. It's similar to what he said earlier in the Sermon on the Mount, where he says that we tend to focus on the speck in someone else's eye before even dealing with the log in our own eye. That we can be so blind as to what's wrong right here, but so dialed in to the smaller thing that's wrong in someone else. Dan Doriani in his commentary says it this way. He says, we can so fix our attention on our own needs and desires that we are hardly aware of the needs of others. 
I think back to when I was a kid, I used to love um, putting together my birthday list and sending it out to relatives. I would think about it months in advance. How can I make this the perfect birthday possible? I want to get all the gifts. I mean, this is my time to ask, right? It's your time to ask. You got to take advantage of it. Just pouring over my mind, what do I really want? What do I want to ask for? And, uh, but then, you know, I wanted the perfect birthday for myself and then someone else's birthday would come along and I would hardly remember the day of the birthday. Put like zero thought into the gift for this other person. This is what our sin does to us. To use David Brooks's categories, our sin turns us into diminishers rather than eliminators. Um, we want uh, more than anything to be truly seen by those around us, yet hypocritically we don't really see those around us. Last year in the Tour de France bike race, the, the peloton of riders, that's the big group of riders and they're all bunched together. It was riding, they were riding through this small French town and, and there was a uh, this spectator that was right there on the course. It's not really blocked off. It's kind of crazy that it's not, but, but you can get right up there and watch this big group of riders come right through. And, uh, and this guy thought, hey, I'm going to get a selfie. As right as the peloton's coming, I'm going to get a selfie. And so he leans out into the road. By the way, one day I will fall off the stage. Um, hopefully not today. But he leans, he leans um, into the road as the, the peloton of riders is coming towards him. And he, and he snaps a selfie, which I'm sure was epic. But he leans too far out. And so as the peloton comes by, his arm clips the handlebars of one rider in particular. And this rider falls down. And then 20 other riders crash instantly, all because this guy had to take his epic selfie. Um, he was so focused on himself, he didn't really see these other cyclists, caused tons of damage. Our focus on ourselves, not only does it cause us to not see other people, but it damages other people. Think about your own life. What, what has that looked like in your life? Um, how about in your close relationships where maybe they're so familiar and comfortable that you're maybe less intentional about how you treat those people? It just feels kind of automatic. In what ways is your self-focus hurting those around you? How might those closest to you feel unseen or misunderstood by you? Uh, sin distorts our reality. We cannot see ourselves clearly. We cannot see others clearly. Let's ask this question. How can we truly see others? Let's talk about how to see others. Um, seeing others, loving others well, treating them in the way we want to be treated, it begins by remembering who we are as people. And the Bible grounds us. If we follow the storyline of the Bible, the Bible grounds us into, in, into who we are. And the first thing it says about us is that we are image bearers. This is Genesis chapter 1. First chapter of the Bible, which we often pass over Genesis 1 and we go straight to Genesis chapter 3 where it talks about our sin and how messed up we are. But prior to that, do you know what God says about you in Genesis chapter 1? Genesis 1.27 says that every single person to have ever existed is made in the image of God. That there's something built into all of our DNA that every person reflects the image of God who created us and does so in some beautifully unique way. That means that you are one of one in the unique ways that you reflect God's image. That means you have dignity. You have value. You matter. And God created you the way you are on purpose. With your personality. Your physical features. The way your brain works. 
your Enneagram type, your Myers-Briggs. You were made this way on purpose and you reflect God's, God's image in a beautifully unique way. And so does that person that you find it hard to love. Um, that person who you may be close to, but sometimes it feels like they're from another planet. Um, the person that you desperately want to love well, but find it so hard to love them well. Um, that person is also beautifully and uniquely made in God's image. They have dignity. They matter. God created them that way on purpose. Um, seeing ourselves and others clearly means seeing us both as image bearers. That's where it starts. That's Genesis 1. But Genesis 3 has to be accounted for. So not only are we image bearers, but we're also broken and sinful. We are not as we should be. Romans 3.23, Paul reflecting back on this idea of sin in us says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Notice that that's a universal statement, another universal statement. Not only are all made in the image of God with great dignity and worth, but also all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Me, you, everyone. So here's what this means relationally. Again, put yourself in that tense interaction or a difficult relationship. Um, We ourselves who are sinners have also been sinned against by others. Um, One writer says that we are wounded wounders. Meaning that we are people who have been hurt throughout the course of our lives by the sins of others. And we are people who have hurt others throughout the course of our lives by our own sin. These two things are always true of every single person. Um, During the summer we do something at Resurrection called story groups. Groups of three people, divide up men and women. And you you sign up to get in a group and you, you share your life story. It's an amazing thing. It's one of my favorite things that we do as a church. And partly because you get to hear just the nuance and complexity of people's stories. Um, Those specific ways in which they are wounded wounders. And they've had to navigate both the hard things done to them and the hard things that they've done to others. And what that's looked like lived out in their lives. Um, This is always true for everyone. We are wounded wounders. Think about what Jesus is saying in our verse this morning. To treat others the way that we want to be treated. Look, we know we're not perfect. We know we're sinners who mess up all the time. And what do we want from others in the midst of that? We want others to be gracious with us, to be merciful with us, because that's true for us. Knowing that our story's hard, knowing we bring that to bear in every interaction, and to treat others this way means to be gracious with that other person, Um, to not expect perfection, but to expect this brokenness and this sin to come out in the ways that they treat us. Now, um, uh, there's an important aside to this. How do we handle really unhealthy relationships? Um, Especially those that involve abuse in some form. Where there's really unhealthy dynamics. Um, If that's what you're experiencing, please talk to someone. Please talk to someone. It is much more common than we realize. It's often very well hidden. And it feels terrifying to put words to it. But but if you have questions about a, a way that you're being treated in a relationship, it feels abusive... Um, there are safe people here that you can talk to about that. And it's important to see that in a different category outside of the sort of typical relational challenges that we're talking about in this passage this morning. Uh, But to see ourselves 
and others clearly means to account for the fact that both we and they are sinful. So we're image bearers. We're sinful. Universal for every single person. Here's one that's specific to those who put their faith in Christ. That we are also being made new in Jesus. And again, this is only true for those who have given their lives to Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says that anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. That means in Jesus we have a new identity. That our sins have been dealt with. That we've been given the righteousness of Christ. And, and while this is true for us as we stand before God, right now in this life it's still being worked out. Little by little. We are in the process in this life of being made new. We're being sanctified. So we stand fully justified. We are in the process of being sanctified. Little by little, being made new, day by day. So to this question, do people change? That's a big relationship question. Do people change? It'd be a great lunchtime topic of conversation. But the answer is yes. In Christ, people do change in this life. Yet, that change is often little by little, very slow, often very messy, but this change is happening. This new life in Christ, it's becoming more and more a reality, so much so that Paul says in Philippians 1.6 that God who began this work has guaranteed to bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. So this transformation project that's happening in all of us, it will succeed. It's true of you if you are in Christ. It's true of others who are in Christ. What does that mean for how we see others? It means to account for the fact that this transformation is in process. That this person is being made new right before your very eyes. Yet it will be slow. Just like our own change is slow. It will be little by little. It will be messy. Inconsistent. Over years and decades. Not days and weeks. This person is in process in the same way we are in process. Be patient. This is who we are. Image bearers, sinful, and being made new in Jesus. This is true of us as well as others. Keeping these things in mind will help us treat others in the way that we want to be treated. All right, let's think practically for a few moments about what this looks like, how how we can better see others, how we can treat people in the way we want to be treated. And the general way to think about this is put yourself in their shoes. Put yourself in their shoes. A few ways to do that. First of all, get curious. Get curious. We make so many assumptions about what other people are thinking or are probably thinking or might be thinking or how they're experiencing certain things, even the same things we're experiencing. We assume we know how they're experiencing it. Rather than assuming you understand others, get curious about it. And that starts internally. Just the internal question of, I wonder how this person is experiencing this thing. And I'm going to check myself and not not assume that I know, but I'm going to get curious about that. And that curiosity leads to the next thing, asking questions. Ask, ask, ask. Say things like, tell me more about that. Or what was that like for you? How did you experience that? Um, how did that thing make you feel? Um, did that bring up like any memories or connections for you? Help me understand more. Um, 
what's the main thing you want me to know about how you're processing this? And, and just as sort of a, a check for yourself, just when you think you've asked enough questions, ask one more. Get curious, ask questions, maybe most importantly, listen. Listen. Dial into the person in front of you. Restate what you just heard. If I understand what you're saying correctly, you feel this way. You're experiencing it this way. Um, just listen. Often um, we are not even concerned about being right or getting the other person to agree with us. We just want to feel seen and heard and understood. So get curious, ask questions, listen. Zoom out for a moment. That's how we want to be treated. Uh, when we leave a conversation that we think was a good conversation, typically it was when the other person asked us a ton of conversation and showed interest in us, and we left that conversation feeling really seen and really understood. Do that to others. And we don't really have to overthink this. Frederick Bruner says it this way. He says, in personal relationships, all that believers need usually to consult is their own feelings. How would we like to be treated in this situation? That's the question. Jesus says, so whatever you wish others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. Um, there's a reason why the golden rule is, is so popular really worldwide amongst different philosophies and belief systems. Um, because if you sort of rip it out of its context, coming from the mouth of Jesus himself in the Bible, it doesn't necessarily sound distinctly Christian. I mean, lots of people would hear this verse and think, oh, okay, yeah, I agree with that. So here's the problem. Um, we could leave here and, and, and not really think much about Jesus and really just beat ourselves up for not loving others well or, or maybe just ruminate on the ways that we haven't been seen and understood by others. And uh, it would just be like, it would lead to what? Another week on the treadmill of trying to be better and do better and we would end up exhausted. And what would we, who would we be thinking about then? still be thinking about ourselves. It would still be about us. We would still be at the center. Um, it is hard to see others and understand them and the ways they want to be seen and understood. We're going to fail at this a lot. So what is our hope? Our hope is there, that, that there is one who did not fail at this. Think back to Psalm 103 from our assurance of grace. This is talking about God. It says, He does not deal with us according to our sins nor repay us according to our iniquities. God does not treat us in the way that we deserve to be treated. Peter says this about Jesus. He committed no sin, neither was there deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to, the, to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. How did Jesus treat others? How does Jesus treat us? Maybe a more personal question. He loved us so much he gave his life for us. He sacrificed everything for us. This is what grace looks like. This is what love looks like. And, and this is what will actually transform us. Um, falling deeper in love with Jesus and the way and who he is, and the ways in which he has loved us, by finding him more beautiful, um, by meditating on how gracious and merciful he has been with us, and, and, and really sitting still with him in that, 
truly meditating, letting our minds fill with his love and grace and mercy until by his Holy Spirit there is breakthrough inside of us where we can almost physically feel our hearts get warm with his love. That's when transformation is starting to take place. That's when we're really getting a taste of what his love is like, of what his grace and his mercy are like for us. And that's where we're going to find the forgiveness for all the ways that we haven't really seen other people well. And that's where we're going to find the strength and the love as his love pours into our hearts that we can then give to others to truly see and to truly understand. Um, Do you want to feel seen and understood by others? And Do you want to grow in the way that you see and understand others? Let your heart believe this morning that Jesus truly sees you. And he truly understands you better than you see and understand yourself. And he loves you. And he invites you to himself this morning. Won't you receive him by faith? Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you that you do see us and understand us really better than we see and understand ourselves. And you love us with a love that is truly incomprehensible. We pray you give us just a taste of that this morning. Father, we will never be able to love others well until we have really encountered your love. Deep in our hearts. Deep in our souls. And we can't make that happen. We need your spirit to impress that on us. Please do that now. Do that as we come to this table to meet you in a special way this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.